even on the more spadier systems, once you have a loch or a series of lakes, lochs, that helps to retain water and it, it, it slows down the runoff. A good example would be, for example, scrape. Yeah, a lot of small, you could even call them lochs, uh, like, you know, um, where the river basically widens, but it, it retains water and um, that, that would be a textbook example. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. With all this rain the last while, I'm sure many of you are still itching to get out fishing. And for this week's episode, we've got some great insights and advice on where to fish for those early season salmon along the Atlantic seaboard from Marcus Muller. When the rains do finally subside and the waters come back into contention, Marcus pinpoints some of the most likely places where you have a high chance of landing a salmon. Plus, he also has some interesting points about the 2022 season and trends to look out for over the coming years. So do stay tuned. Tom, before we hear from Marcus, uh, I thought it was a very interesting point he was saying about pinpointing and highlighting and utilizing those fisheries that have the locks on them. And it's more relevant than ever before now with all this rainfall we're having. Yeah, Commander, hi. Yeah, very, very relevant. I mean, and I was just thinking there like, how things can change so much like two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we had Mike O'Shea on, it was the exact opposite. Uh, but now with all this rain that we're having, it's, um, you know, any fishery that has a lock on us is it's um, a bit of a boon for chances of catching a salmon. Um, as I know we were talking there, you were t- thinking of um, doing a bit of fishing this weekend coming. And I just, you know, I said to you, you'd probably be fishing in fields. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was you looking know? at the, I was looking at the level. So like, the last few days it was it had dropped right it was kind of down to around the one mark one meter mark and you know you're kind of thinking right we have a chance if it gets down to point eight maybe you know we have a chance to get which, out which this is the black water the black water yeah sorry yeah, black water yeah. yeah and then i just checked it there earlier today and it shot up to over two oh, like so wow like it's just you're thinking right it, it looks like it's going to ease and then boom yeah. it's doubled like um, like two is way too high i presume oh it's you know like even like when it was over you know it was 1.2 last week you wouldn't you know you wouldn't have done it like now <laughs> oh, so like, not not a hope then not a hope like so i'm See, just that, and this is like what you were saying this is where like having a lock or something uh yeah. gets you a chance to get fishing where it it, it kind of acts like it's it, it is a reservoir Right, yeah, and it will hold water and release water accordingly. So you always yeah. have a have you know constant flow coming in. So whereas it, when it's a straight river, it can run off completely yeah. and just go to nothing. It's a but another thing as well below below a river as well. If, if you just have a straight river and, and you get a flood, the water tends to come very dirty. Yes, but yes. if you if you have a lock on the system, uh, the lock actually kind of cleans. Like the really dirty water that comes into the lock is at the head of it. Yeah, and the bit that's coming off the end is still is still cleaner water, so there's always a chance that you can fish below a lock as well for that bit longer in flood water before it gets really salach, as we'd say in Irish, really dirty. And as Marcus points out, like he pinpoint pinpoints those ones, those kind of fisheries on the western seaboard that you know do have locks in the system that pretty much. You know, you time it right, the rains come, but then you can get onto it, you know, quick enough afterwards. Like, you know, although I'd, I'd love to see how they're all doing nowadays with this, <laughs> the rainfall we've had. Oh, I mean, it's shot. Yeah. I mean, like we've in the last, I think the lake, lake here with me in the last since, since, since Paddy's day has probably gone up 25 centimeters. Wow. Foot. But uh, it was interesting just back to what Marcus says. I mean, you know. We're talking there about the Western seaboard and your chances of salmon. I mean, for your earlier fish, you're you are looking at locks, and yeah. then 
and then as they come on, as the season progresses, then the rivers definitely come into play more. You know, yeah. Yeah, they definitely come into play. Something I learned, I have to say, from it. And Marcus gives us good information in terms of ones to target. Next week, you're, you're hopefully, are you fishing competition, Tom? So we'll hear how you no, go. I, I, fish one, I fish one on Sunday and we'll move swiftly along. And okay. anything else to discuss? <laughs> the rugby. Uh, didn't fit, I fished the commercial out of Galway and uh, it's a tough day. It's a tough day. Yeah, I was actually fishing with uh, Darren McGuire, who was on last year. We had a great day out. Darren, there was captain of the winning Irish team up in Melvin. How did Darren uh, there? Dar- yeah, so um, look, we had a great day. Darren was unlucky. Um, I didn't even have the, I didn't even say that I was unlucky. I just had no luck at all. Uh, Darren had a few chances. They didn't stick. Uh, but it was just, it was a tough day. The temperature was about five or six degrees of rain constantly. And um, yeah, I think, ooh, I think uh, 30 rods or something out and only six rods of fish. So it was just fish. Very tough. Very, very tough. But you know, that that's the way it goes. That's yeah, it. We had a good day out. Enjoyed it. I tell you, Darren was very quiet, didn't have much to say, no, just kept himself to himself. <laughs> Darren, if you're listening, your episode's still one of the most popular, so we have to get John again. Well, I tell you what. We'll and you, from- and by the way, back to you, oh. you're still, uh, now, I, I was waiting for this picture of, you know, the, the Springer on the snow, that's gone. Yeah, yeah that's so gone. It's going to be Springer on a, you- I'll be, be in a raft on the river at this stage. Like, um, <laughs> I'm seriously, I'm, I'm actually getting now, like, cabin fever. You know, I feel yeah. like it's winter time. You know what I mean? Like, at least in the winter time, we could go out bloody pike fishing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it wasn't that much rain. Like, now, like the last few weeks, I've been like, you know, I'm making plans. I've had, you know, I've got the work out of the way. I go, right, I'm going to go fishing. And then it's like, ah, oh, for Jesus' sake. <laughs> and I don't tie flies. So, what the hell else? So, yeah. like, no, actually, I think it was George McGraw was in it last week, finding some of the smaller rivers, tributaries. Yeah, true, actually. Um, well, and come here, uh, Irish lesson from last week. What is a tributary in Irish? Tributary. No, it's a prefix on the word river. So Owen is river. Owen. Oh, Owen. Owen Ian. Oh, yeah, well, that's good. That's a, yeah, that's good. No, four Owen is tributary. Oh, okay. I did yeah. learn something else from you, but we weren't recording at the time. What was that again? Oh, we're not recording now either. Are we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> We are. <laughs> oh, I think I remember. Yeah. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. Moving imagine. swiftly along. <laughs> Let's hear from Marcus now um, before we confuse people anymore. Um, and I first asked him if he'd managed to get out fishing yet this year as well. Unfortunately not. Uh, water levels weren't that suitable and then time constraints. And I, I actually haven't wetted a line this this season so far i don't know about you guys i know you tom i think you you, you've been out a good few times probably on on carb and so but i personally my boat when i look out the window here now uh, it's still still ashore tight and i haven't been out at all but hopefully that'll that'll change shortly what's the uh what's the lake there beside you uh caramore lake yeah yeah so i i i I live uh, well probably just 150 yards from it so i i can i can see the fish rise from my from my kitchen window uh which wow. is uh, not a bad thing um and uh, I, I think we will be we will be talking about caramore and some other fisheries uh, during during that that session here anyways we spoke to uh, brian hope a couple of weeks ago we did oh, a fishery yeah. focus on caramore mm-hmm. the amount yeah. of um interest <laughs> Since then, the response to it was huge. <laughs> actually, just, yeah. I have to go, have to fish, have to fish. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
have you well tom you probably have but have 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 you fished it before i fished uh, it only once uh, all right. and that's only tw- and that's 20 years ago dara okay. no never saying? and oh, yeah, wow. after after the bride in <laughs> Oh, wow. Me and half okay. the country now want to go down. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of increased traffic near you, Marcus. My apologies. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Now, uh, funny enough, I mean, it's right beside my doorstep, and uh, it's probably with most of these things, these things that that are near to you that you may take for granted. I find when I when I when I came here as a as a tourist in the old days, uh, I I did a lot more fishing locally than I actually do now and it's funny now I'm I'm really keen I want to get somewhere to get some some grayling fishing so I travel abroad and and when I was living abroad it was like oh my god I want to go to Ireland to fish for salmon so it's it's it's, it's funny sometimes yeah. how these yeah. things go far away hills are greener and all that like isn't yeah. it absolutely but okay um so just a, a quick recap on the 2022 salmon season. Um, I'm not sure if, if you're aware, uh, about five days ago, uh, the, the status of Irish salmon fish stocks 2022 with catch advice for 2023, that document was actually published and it's available on our corporate website, fisheriesireland.ie. And uh, it basically... It's a scientific document, but I would recommend it for, for everyone who is interested, who fishes for salmon or not necessarily salmon alone, everyone who has an interest in the aquatic environment and, and uh, salmon stocks. It's, um, there's a lot of interesting information there, good graphs, tables, and uh, it basically outlines um, the recommendations from the technical expert group on salmon for the 2023 the kind of catch advice so uh, and that's that's publicly available from from our website so is that fisheriesireland.ie is it um, that's uh, fisheriesireland.ie and when you when you click on publications it's it's actually at the moment it's the first document that pops up Oh, yes, I see it there now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, do you uh, want to take us through maybe what? Well, we can, well, but briefly, yeah, we can yeah. just because yeah. it, it, it is a bit technical. And again, if if everyone who wants to go into this in a little bit more detail, I'd say download it and, and there's interesting stuff there. So, but when we just look back at what, what has been recommended based on the 2022 findings by the uh, expert group is that we have. 48 rivers uh, with a harvestable surplus. Uh, that means that they exceed their conservation limits. Um, so those rivers are open. And then we have a further 20 rivers uh, that are actually below their conservation limit, but um, achieve at least 65% of their conservation limit. And uh, these rivers are open under catch and release which leaves about, about 50% of the other rivers being closed. So we have a total of 100 and I think 44 salmon rivers or classified salmon rivers. So it's, it's about 50%. And um, that may sound like, oh my God, only, well, there's 50% closed, but we have to bear in mind that most of those rivers that are closed we have very little data. They are very small systems. They are not really, uh, from a fisheries perspective, they wouldn't be as important as the 
kind of well-known, well-known rivers there. So um, can I ask you just you, on that market? Sorry, can I say of the 50 percent, um, do we know, has that number gone up or down in kind of recent years? Or good good question. And again, there is a, when, when, uh, when you look at the document there and, and uh, on, say, do you have it open there yourself? Yeah, or, I have it here. Yeah. 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 If, if, if we scroll on page eight, for example, and there mm-hmm. is a there is a table there yeah. uh, or a graph. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, again, oh, we don't yeah. need to go into big figures here, but just when you look at this, when this started in 2007, which coincides, of course, with the cessation of the of the driftnet uh, fishery around Ireland, uh, that this this started this approach, this kind of catchment wide approach um, to look at each individual river catchment, and uh, the the red bar there, which indicates the the, the closed rivers. You know, this was well over a hundred. And over time, now we are at about probably 50%. So okay, the, okay. the overall number of closed rivers uh, has gone down. Now, I That's think you have to look at the, the green and the, and the yellow um, column there. And, and, and I think we have to look at this combined because they are the rivers that are open for fishing. Some are catch and release. Some you have a surplus. So if you combine those two um, and you look, it has been fairly stable there over the years when we when you just compare the the advice for 2023 and last year 2022 um there's actually more rivers open for fishing because the number of catch and release rivers has increased and when we go back to probably um 2020 say 2017 um it's kind of for the last five six years the number is kind of kind of steady there um, with, say, 20, 2012 was probably the, the best year in terms of rivers being open. There was just over over 60 rivers closed. But uh, the last, say, the last five, six years, when you, when you look at the columns there yourselves, it's more or less steady, yeah. um, which is a good thing. But the overall trend, when we look at, say, counter figures and marine survival, um, that there is definitely a, a downward trend in, in, in salmon numbers and, and, and catch numbers as well. Now, again, we have to differentiate between catch and, and, and actual run. Now, when we look at last year in particular, because you asked me about last year. Now, as you remember, last year we had this <clears throat> incredible drought there in in during the summer months and and that definitely impacted on the actual catch of the of the one sea winter fish the grills um so angling effort was high enough was actually higher than the previous year 2021 that was because of restrictions coverage restrictions still in place in 2021 but actually there was less fish caught um so uh, it will be interesting this year now um if if we do experience similar droughts again or similar issues again, but I think last year was from that perspective, as far as the grills fishing was concerned, difficult, difficult to put it into perspective because of that drought. But do you not think on that, Marcus, like we're gonna see nothing like summer drought conditions are here to stay and they're probably gonna get worse. So therefore, what we've seen last year is surely gonna be consistent, if not. An increasing trend over the come in the future. Like, I, what do you think of that? 
Yeah, well, very difficult. I mean, there's definitely something happening. We'll see it. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing is the overall amount of, of rainfall uh, stays yeah. more or less the same. It's yeah, just it's a just distribution. More yeah. We actually mm. see more freak events, more flash floods, you know, and we see more prolonged drought events as well. Now, if, if this is to be, if this is continuing in the future, well, who knows? There's different models, you know, out there, and even scientists are, are, are 100% sure. But I think what we have seen so far, um, well, leads to the assumption that we probably will be facing more such droughts, particularly during uh, the summer months. And that will definitely impact on our salmon stocks and also then as a consequence on the fishing. Now, talking about the, the western seaboard here and the vast majority of our rivers here are spade rivers that really depend on rainfall, that only really fish, that only get really a run when there is sufficient water. And by nature, <clears throat> their flow regime is characterized by very steep amplitudes like but then water levels drop also very fast in general they are very spatey and they tend to flat to have flash floods and when you when you look at uh, kind of climate change issues now and also not just climate change but also land use uh, drainage for example, you know, all that all that will impact. And, and the big problem is the retention capacity of those of those river systems, you know, and, and, and that 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 is alarming without doubt. And actually, there's um, a couple of other questions I just want to come off the back of the, the, the stats from that. And I'm going to put the link in the episode notes so people Ooh, are wondering, yeah. um, just so people can can have a look at it directly. Um, of the 50 percent of rivers that are closed. Do you know, are they mainly on the eastern side? Like, is there a predominant kind of geographic location? Not necessarily. I mean, the, most, as I said, most of the rivers that are closed, we don't actually have enough robust data. There is, for example, there is no fish counters on those, on, on most of them. Uh, and also the rod catch data is very limited. There's rivers there where we, where we don't have, uh, probably have less than 10 fish reported caught. And, 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 and that's one of the reasons why, why these systems are, are closed. When you look at the actual uh, document there, when I go through the, the list of closed rivers here, for example, you can scroll further down on that, but it's also in the angling regulations. Um, they're not necessarily all on the east coast or the south. There, there's actually quite quite a number of rivers in the in the northwestern RBD that are closed. There is a few in Kerry, but as I said, they are mainly mainly smaller systems where there's basically a, a lack of data and who wouldn't be from an angling perspective not not as important as as the main as the main rivers. Okay, and there's just one other follow-on I just wanted to ask you. Um, Marcus is of the you were saying the angling numbers. Are we seeing a pickup or a decline um, from pre-COVID um, times of visiting anglers? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, 2022 we saw we saw an increase of visiting anglers again because I mean, 2020 and 2021 uh, it was very difficult for for um, 
visiting anglers to actually set foot here on Ireland. There was only a short time window there. And even when, when this happened, they may have made their own or alternative arrangements and went somewhere else for fishing. So we definitely see um, an increase. Um, say, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have exact figures at hand, but uh, from, say, the Moy fishery here in Balina, we definitely have, have more, more anglers. We had more anglers fishing in 2022 than in 2021. And hopefully that, that trend will, will, will increase further. How is it with pre-COVID figures? Is it reverse it back to, to normal? Like, mm. Well, you yeah, know, the question is, what is normal? You know, because uh, the, the, there is fierce competition out there. You see people, and particularly because of COVID, when, when visiting anglers <clears throat> are not able to fish, they may make alternative arrangements. And I know personally from a few people I know uh, who couldn't come to Ireland and they said, okay, look, we'll they booked holidays in, in Norway or in, in, in Sweden where, where they were able to travel. And if they had a good experience, they may go again. I'm not saying that these guys are lost, but you know, we have to work hard to, to gain this back. You know, that's, um, well, it, isn't it also the case, Marcus, as well? Like it's just the world is so much smaller now. Exactly. You know, you can catch a Ryanair flight to Iceland. Uh, yeah. You, you say like, I remember it, 15, 20 years ago, Iceland was like yeah. the last frontier nearly like, you know, it was exactly. now, yeah, exactly. Now you can just, I yeah. just go for a weekend to Iceland, like, isn't it? So that this is are, it. You know, we are in competition with these areas. Like. We, we were always in competition. And then uh, don't underestimate what two years uh, of restrictions can can mean. You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Now, so, so what we, we shouldn't also forget that Ireland has always been popular um, amongst continental anglers from Germany, France, and that, that there, there is a solid base there. Uh, we have a lot of return visitors. I probably you, you're in the guidance business there, uh, Tom. I think you see that as well. That you have mm. a lot of regulars coming, and that's one of our strengths, really. You know. Do you have any breakdown of the numbers of visiting anglers that come? What percentage are coming for salmon, brown trout? Uh, very difficult because the the only figure that we really have is the the, the sale of salmon licenses, right. which. Doesn't really, I think, yeah, it, it, it's an indication, but, you know, a very difficult to actually um, quantify the percentages. Um, so it's it's tricky. It's tricky because, I mean, uh, there could be fly anglers who come over, but they don't buy a license. They just fish for trout, you know, so we won't see them at all in, in our figures, you know. Um, but um, uh Going back to the to the to the salmon rivers here, and you said, "Oh, yeah, is is there a trend? Uh, is, is there more rivers close on the eastern seaboard or the or the mm. southern or the western?" Uh, when when we look at the uh, say some of the counter figures, which are also uh, depicted here in this in this document, and if if, if you may go to page thirty eight, yeah, and that that's a very interesting <clears throat> graph here. And it, it lists all the, the fish counters uh, that are used to establish these um, these recommendations. And it's interesting to see that, for example, the river feel stands out. Because when you look at it there, uh, definitely um, uh, there was quite a number of fish more than the previous year. Uh, Caramore stands out as well, but then uh, some of the others are, are well below the previous year. And on, on the right hand side, you see where 
last year's uh, figures stand in comparison to the to the mean to the mean figures. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all this is very helpful information, and I think uh, in a way, Ireland is probably leading the way there in 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 salmon management. I think because I'm not aware of of any other European country that would look at at this at such a scale. You know, river river by river. And I think that's the, it's the only way we, 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 we can manage our salmon stocks in a sustainable way. And we probably have to think about, yeah, applying more catch and release um, um, the next few years. And what about, Marcus, um, and it is, it's fascinating seeing this, these stats and the graphs, and it can be a double-edged sword in, in many respects, because if you've got such measurements and management of the data, yeah. black and white, there it is. Yeah. If the numbers are going yeah. down, you can't hide it, and you no. know, that's what it is. What about hatcheries? We spoke to Mike O'Shea um, from the Upper Cara Fishery recently, um, and you know he made a very good point in terms of kind of introducing the hatchery before it was kind of, you know, you were too late. So using it as a supplemental, and he also said how 30% of the catch was from the hatchery. So it's not like it became a predominant um, strain that took over the fishery. And it really kind of set my mind thinking um, in terms of, is this something that needs to be embraced more? Not as a kind of, a, like we said, a dominant strain taking over the fishery, but the warning flags are here. We know the numbers are going down. We're catch and lease is one issue. Sustainable management of the stocks, land use, all that kind of stuff. We all know that. But What's the kind of, um, I suppose, stance on hatcheries and when and where they could be introduced to help nature? Yeah, the, you see, there, there's pros and cons, definitely. When, when you look at um, some fisheries, like, for example, uh, Borishu, um, where, where you probably, the fishery is only open because there is ranching going on and there's, you could call it hatchery. Um, so, um there's two sides of the coin there. You see, there, there's the approach where preferably you, you want to have a kind of a, a self-sustaining population, you know, and you want to in, you don't want to interfere. It's very difficult what approach to take. But even when you look at at at, at Borishul there, um, or or I think Delphi's is is ranching as well. Um, it's it's not a straightforward answer, you know, and and uh, some countries go down the route and uh, do hatchery programs. Iceland, Iceland has been successful in some river systems, uh, but they had also some failures. So, yeah, black box, uh, tricky one, difficult one. And I do appreciate, look, every fishery, every system is different, has yeah. its own yeah. um, needs and and once, um, so yeah. you know, but it just it, it just reopened an eye for me, you know, and I'm not. You know, oh, yeah, I'm not it, it's definitely worth considering, but as I said, you know, um, there's different approaches. Some catchments are more suitable. Some mightn't be that suitable, and uh, yeah, we just have to see. But the overall the overall trend is 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 alarming, and when we are talking about. Um, Sea surface temperature increase, droughts, more flash floods. Um, you see, if, if 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 we just produce more fish in hatcheries, that you know, see where I'm coming from. It's 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 these factors that are probably uh, more dominating than than what we can do here in our freshwater catchment. You see, water quality in general, water quality is okay, definitely. 
in, in most salmonid catchments along, along the West Coast. And, and land use practices have changed and have improved, you know, less overgrazing, forestry uh, is taking a different approach over the years. So all these things we can really control very well, but we really cannot really control what's what's happening at sea. And that's why that kind of research that's happening at sea uh, is, is also important. You know? Funny, you mentioned there, uh, Marcus, uh, sea surface temperatures. What's... What's the story with that? Or yeah, no, I, I don't have exact figures at hand, but we definitely see an increase in in in, in sea surface temperatures, definitely in 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 the areas in the in the feeding ground area. So um, it's and, and all these factors uh, come together. And as I said, uh, there's probably a lot of things that are not within our control. We can just assure that from a habitat point of view. And from a water quality point of view and from a catchment management point of view, we'll, we'll, we'll have things in order, you know. Yeah. Um, um, it's actually just as the ocean um, temperatures, and I must try and pull that out. There was a slide I saw Ken Whelan when he was giving a talk exactly, a couple of years yeah. ago. And he takes it from the 70s and you just see it oh. getting redder and redder, and, redder and, yeah. and, and we're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. the atlantic ocean and ireland yeah. like we're not and you yeah. think you're no, looking no, at the no. mediterranean nearly like the yeah. way it's going yeah. red like it's interesting uh, it's like any problem we're talking about like there, there are multiple factors but it's just like you will hear from anglers and i say this solely from anglers and non-scientific but just from anglers they're saying well they would say well hatcheries are a factor that we can control so you know that's i'm just saying that at the moment that you will hear from a lot of salmon anglers that you know there should be more hatcheries but it's not that simple or is it no it's not that simple this is it that's what i just said you know so it's it's never monocausal and and you may think this is yeah this is a great idea and and, and you do things and then you find out oh my god we should have put more thought into this or more research mm. so what i'm saying it's a very complex system and uh we just need to we need to try to manage it in the most sustainable way. And when I'm saying uh, approach more catch and release, for example, I know that some, some local clubs here in, in the West, they are, they are thinking of, of introducing a kind of a, a, a size limit, you know, um, of, I think something is discussed like six, everything over 65 centimeters. Now we're talking about salmon here to be released. And while there is a daily allowable catch of three fish, uh, during during the summer months, uh, some fisheries may have decided to to go down to two, and we are also uh, discussing this here on our own uh, state state fishery, the Moy fishery, that we will probably introduce a two a, a two fish limit for, for this year. So, um, but again, as I said, it's never monocausal. There are so many factors um, at sea, freshwater, the wider catchment. Uh, angling pressure um it's a challenge it's a challenge and and when we just take that 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 document here which again uh, is is well there's a summary but there's a lot more science behind this you know and uh there's there's complicated models and and the scientists do their best to come up with the with the with the good solution, you know, for both sides, you know, so conservation on the one side, but also, uh, yeah, we, we still want to 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 see some some angling tourism here, but we may we definitely have to look at a at a sustainable way. And I think as well, it it 
it's up to us as anglers as well to educate ourselves. Um, you know, yeah. to, to read these kind of documents. Um, I find I found myself now getting drawn more and more into issues of climate change and the environment, especially as it relates to the oceans. I think it's an absolutely incredible. Like you look at the UN um, high seas uh, treaty agreement that they came to, you know, it's, it's delving under the delving under the, the kind of the bonnet there and really kind of educating ourselves. about. I didn't even know it. There was um, just speaking of stuff that's outside of your control. Uh, it was on uh, it was on the Sam Fishing Forum website, and there was a link to a, an article. Um, I think it was Belfast Live or something had it, basically showing these. I don't know if you've seen them. They're called uh, death trawlers, and they're like basically the biggest factory ships in the world. Yeah, and that they just they can hoover up. It's the equivalent of six football pitches that they hoover up in the middle of the of the ocean. Um, all the catch they were they were off the southwest of Ireland last week. They've made their way up the western coast, and now I think they're off the northwest coast of Ireland. These are the biggest ships in the world. And like somebody was pointing out in the forum, if you're not telling me that they're catching, they're hoovering up salmon, sea trout, whatever, you know, in terms of species. And, you know, this stuff is going on out there, like, and the sheer scale, I'd, I'd recommend people just look it up like the shit that these are, they're called death trawlers, death stars, because they just, they're killing machines. Like, um, so there is so much going on um, outside of outside of our own waters, um, but like you said, it's what we can do, you know, within our kind of freshwater landscape. But just, I just want to yeah. ask you, Marcus. Um, so overall, twenty twenty two. Before we move on to twenty twenty three, characterize it as a kind of a yeah. It was an interesting year because it was post COVID, um, then the drought. Um, so overall, I can just from my own experience. Um, it was one of my worst years salmon fishing now, but that was also due to the fact that I didn't get out much. So um, I, I landed only one fish and um, that probably reflects it. Now I know that uh, the, the spring fishing was, was okay for some while the, 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 the grill season was well, um, because of the drought um, more difficult. So it'll be interesting what, what, what this year will bring uh, in terms of, of the spring fishing again, like I mentioned Caramore Lake here um, earlier. So uh, renowned spring fishery usually uh, fishes very well during April and May, depending on the, on the weather and the water conditions. Um, and uh, yeah, Hey, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm keeping optimistic. I, I hope for, for, for a good year, 2023, but so far, it's been a slow start. I mean, yeah. you've probably followed our, our catch reports here, our angling mm, update. Yeah. There have been a few fish caught. Just, I think, uh, last week, the first fish was reported from the Moy, which it wasn't super late. It's usually, well, end of February, early March, when the first fish is reported. It's never really a very early fishery. Uh, there has been a couple from, from Delphi, from Quran, uh, the Drowse, I mean the the usual suspects in terms of of spring fish. So I think it's the the next uh, well probably April May will 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 tell us more about how how the spring season uh, will go. So w- should we really be keeping an eye then? You know, for, and for anglers looking, you know, to maybe plan a few trips, um, and we're going to focus kind of on the western seaboard anyway here, Marcus. Um, yeah. Like, where should anglers be looking to kind of maybe put their eye on for the coming weeks and months? 
Yeah, well, definitely the the the, the few spring fisheries uh, such as Beltra will open shortly. You know that that provides nice nice loch style fishing. As I said, Caramore, uh, renowned spring salmon fishery, uh, but also also the Moy. I mean that the 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 middle the middle section uh, uh, does produce a few early fish. And then there, there's a couple of, of smaller spade systems that they do get an early run. Um, Delphi uh, would come to mind. Um, <clears throat> some of the other fisheries are more uh, grills fisheries, uh, like here, my my own home home rivers. So the, the, the old moor, for example, uh, or the East Ski. Then if you go further down, all the all the, the Connemara fisheries there. But uh, it's probably the, the, those two uh, lost Beltra and and Caramore that would be the the main spring fisheries along the the western seaboard. Um, I want, you mentioned the own moor there and the Eski. Are they yeah. worth the rattle for springfish? The Eski definitely not. Uh, Eski gets no. a, gets a very um, usually a late run. It's a small system. It's similar yeah. to some, some of the other smaller, smaller spade systems that have a, a separate catchment, basically. There's a few more here along the, 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 the northwest coast. Glenamoy would be another one. Uh, can be excellent in a flood during the end of the season, but really not... Not, or not early season. Not, not, I mean, we're talking about a March, April now. I mean... Yeah. Uh, from May, June onwards, definitely if there is a flood, but not that early. I mean, when I say spring fisheries, I'm talking about from now on, basically for the next one and a half, two months. Mm. Um, now, uh, there's the Owen Duff that that does get a, a, an early run, but again, it's it's a it's a spade river, so fishing is confined to to flood events. Um, yeah, that that's these would be my recommendations. Also, I mean, um, on some of the the systems, uh, um, availability of of day tickets might 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 be an issue. Whereas on 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 Beltra, for example, it's, it's relatively easy to to get a boat. You know, you still have to mm. book it, but uh, you'll you'll get on it there. You know. And the Orn Moor is that worth? Um. Yeah. In a, in a flood. You, you could give it a go, but from my own experience, and I'm fishing the own moor since 1987. Right. Um, uh, so I've never caught a fish before May. All right. So, um, yeah, it is more a, a, a grills and, a, and an end of season river, without doubt. Right. You know. and, and the Delphi is all if you can get on it, isn't it? It's always worth early. Oh season. yeah, I mentioned Delphi before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. If, if you get, that's what I meant. You know, um, mo most of of um, you see because I mean, good spring fishing is is scarce enough, and uh, usually uh, the, the 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 good weeks are are booked out well in advance. But if you get on it, always worth a shot. And and again, uh, with Delphi, and there's some other systems here, like even the. The bundrels, when you think about it, it's again that brings me to the to the catchment and the hydrology, where you have retention. You know, you have you have better fishing where you have lakes in the system. You have uh, floods last mm, longer, yeah. like in Delphi, you have the the, the outflowing river, Bandora River. You have you have the, the lake behind Melvin. You have uh, droughts. You have Melvin behind. So um, again, um, with spade river fishing, it's <laughs> your 
you, you're often too late. There's there's rivers here, and I mentioned the Glenamoy earlier. Um, could be like a matter of of hours where you have yeah. where you could have the fishing of your lifetime and drawing a blank. That's my experience. Kind of, I mean, it's kind I, of great, great if you live beside it. Yeah, but yes, if yes. you know, if you have to travel, you know, yeah. So I get I get exactly what you mean. Lovely if you yeah. live beside it, but you wouldn't plan yeah. two weeks in advance. Well, this for is an it. Early season. Yeah, this is it. And 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 we're getting now. I I, I also come from the from the, the promotion marketing side. Um, now my background is in in quantitative hydrology and morphology, but most of my work now is is uh, with regard to promotion marketing of angling and, and you get queries i mean i would never really recommend to to build a holiday just around a spade river on its own because you need to have fallbacks and and uh, because you cannot just hope that 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 it's raining and particularly when it's a family holiday i've, I've seen many many family trips there so some some people are praying for rain and others don't and it's uh yeah it's always it's 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 nice when it happens. That's what I always my advice is always yeah. If you yeah. have a Spade River close by, definitely when it's raining, it's it's again it's a fallback because say for example, the moy could be in flood and couldn't be fishable. Now we're talking from a fly angler's perspective here solely. And then if you have these fallbacks like the Eski down the road or even other other spadier systems that that they they can save a holiday. You know it 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 mm. has happened to me. It has happened to me uh, uh, in years back in, in, in Mongolia, for example. We went all the way to Mongolia. You save so much money. You make this trip of your lifetime. You want to catch these famous Timon and Lenok. And then you arrive there after two and a half days of travel and uh, uh, nicked luggage at Moscow airport, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I think um, there's an episode in that. But keep oh, there is. Yeah, 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 but definitely. you see, the thing is, you arrive there. Fast. You arrive there and basically uh, then you realize, oops, uh, the main river you want to fish uh, is three meters above normal. Rain season has kicked in too early. Oh. But then, yeah, there was a small kind of spring fed stream uh, about two hours drive away, but we availed of it and it saved the trip. So um, it's always important when you plan your, your trip to, to kind of have fallbacks. And from what you're saying, what I'm getting from it is, Marcus, that yeah, kind of those kind of um, systems with lock there, that a lake that will just kind of, that's what you really need, isn't it, to kind of help mitigate? Kind of, it, yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, there's some catchments who don't have, have locks in the system, but even on the more spadier systems, once you have a lock or a series of lakes, locks, that helps to retain water and it, it it slows down the runoff a good example would be for example um scrap where you have a lot of yeah a lot of small you could even call them lochs uh, like you know um where the river basically widens but it it retains water and um that that would be a textbook example you know whereas then neighboring catchment for example you don't have a, a single lake the, the 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 floods won't last long, you know, and it spikes incredibly fast, but also yeah. drops so fast. Drops really, you know? and 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 then again, I I can't stress this more often. Their land use and catchment management comes into play, and there's a lot lot that can be done. You know, for example, forestry used to, you know, I mean, draining draining steep slopes and and didn't allow for 
any silt traps as well. Uh, so that has changed now and there's different approaches to this and riparian zone management, So which, which helps to retain water. But uh, it will be a thing to watch out in the future, definitely, if, because if you don't get the water at the time when we need it, um, that's a problem. And then in the winter, because as I said earlier, overall, we have the same amount of precipitation, annual precipitation. It's just a distribution. And yeah. while we are lacking it in the summer and it leads to droughts, in wintertime, it can have really detrimental effects as well, because particularly imagine uh, just after spawning, you know, when you have a huge event there scouring out the river bottom and everything. So um, it's, um, it's not easy to, to, to compensate all this. Yeah, I just actually just thinking of lock there and it got me thinking because we didn't discuss it at all. Uh, um, there's generally very uh, little problems with water and the Galway, the weir. And uh, just just for people there, is the Galway weir worth a shot in April? Now, as far as I know, I think the first fish was caught there recently. I think mm. my colleague Kevin mentioned something. I think you had Kevin there on your show there um, not, not too long ago. Yeah, we did um, actually. Yeah. Now, again, it's not a typical spring fishery saying that. I think you probably have a better chance there than you would have on, on some of the other spade systems. But again, uh, the, the peak of the fishing there is, is, is the summer it's months. It's more your grills. You know, mm. when, you, when you look down from the bridge and good years, when the water is clear and low, you can see back after back after back. Yeah. So, and this is when, when you could sell probably 10 times the amount of, of day permits, you know? Yeah. So, but look, yeah. I mean... Same on the on, on our own fishery here uh, um, in, in Valina, for example. I mean, don't forget, uh, um, fishing is free there until the first um, um, uh, salmon has been caught on 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 the on the rich pool, and and then up, up to the up to April. But uh, look, angling effort. If 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 you're not out there, uh, nothing is caught. So, I mean, definitely worth a try. If there is a nice day, I, I, I mean, why not give it a go? But uh, there's definitely fishers out there that have a better potential to catch a springer. Just what, yeah, just actually it's interesting. And just what, what has come up there is the locks are ones that really you should probably be looking at. You mentioned there Caramore, probably Beltra. Beltra. Um, well, Delphi, well, there's the river in Delphi yeah. as well, but the Finlock as well. But Finlock, they, yeah. they serve for, for spring fishing on the Western seaboard. You you kind of are looking at them as much as anywhere else. Yeah, I would say it's it's mm. it's those lochs or lakes that, that would come to, to mind. Uh, again, if you go a bit further north, of course, you have you have the drowse. Um, yeah. But the rest is summer grills fishing. Mm-hmm. And and even and then then even September fishing, you know, with and I mentioned uh, some of the other smaller systems. You would be surprised sometimes when you get a when you get a flood late in the season, uh, the amount of fresh fish that do run some of these systems, and 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 they they are generally bigger fish than than the grills. So there there is a few systems that that can have a surprise for the angler if the conditions are right in in September. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, Marcus, we might get you on to preview the the back end, because because in fairness, it's the one thing I found like especially down here, down in Tipperary, you know, whether it's the shore or the Blackwater, it's you know, there's not much of a run back end now. You're kind mm. of thinking, so I might mm. um 
might tap your brains for, for more yeah. information yeah. later right. in the year. By like, any means. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And also as well, definitely want to hear a bit more about Mongolia. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, kept as I, said, uh, I, I like my fishing travels. I've, I've mm. fished a few few exotic places. So uh, anytime, anytime. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose like the, 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 and I always kind of take that quote from David McAvoy in the Delphi in terms of best chance of a kind of a, a spring salmon on the Atlantic is probably the Western seaboard anywhere else. Like, so, you know, people bear, bear that in mind as a unique selling point. You know what I mean? We're talking about pushing and selling it. Like it's, you've as good an opportunity here in these kind of places, these fisheries that you've mentioned, Marcus. So. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, 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 and again, I mean, I think we mentioned it before at the last show. Um, the fish is just one aspect. Of course, anglers want to catch fish, mm. but a big selling point is also uh, this, fish for wild fish in wild places, the surroundings. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what we hear from so many people uh, who, who come here to Ireland and, and they come to fish, but they they really appreciate the, the package, the the experience, the the friendliness of the people, uh, the crack, the, the 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 whole the whole Irish, if you want to call it the whole Irish experience. And that's I think one of our biggest selling points. Um, not just for the continental market, also the U.S. market. The U.S. market has huge potential. And uh, there we are dealing with, I would say, 99.9% uh, well-educated, sustainably fishing catch-and-release anglers, you know. Um, so we shouldn't forget that. Yeah, absolutely. Marcus, thank you very much for joining us. Um, again, a mine of information. Um, I'm going to put the link to that document as well for people to um, have a look at it. Like we've said, there's loads of data, there's loads of information there. You know, we need to kind of meet up on it ourselves and educate ourselves about it. Um, and so we'll have you on again later in the year. And thanks a million for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I thank you guys. And uh, yeah, wishing you, you all tight lines and maybe our paths will, will cross on, on Carol Moore at some stage. Never know. Really good to talk to you again, Marcus. Yeah, tight lines for you for 2023. Okay, cheers. Our thanks to Marcus Muller for joining us on the show. And don't forget to rate, review and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Plus, you can keep up to date on ironlandthefly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland.